Where do we come from? Is there a God? What's the meaning of life? These are questions that have haunted mankind since the dawn of time, but none more so than the one question we'll be answering tonight. Is James Bond a code name? Come along and listen to us talk. <laughs> Now come along and listen to us talk with the Bond Jam. Go and have a lovely little walk with the Bond Jam. Let me put it on and go to bed with the Bond Jam. Or grab yourself a slice of toast and spread with the Bond Jam. Yes, hello and welcome to Bond Jam. My name is Simon Jeffrey and I'm joined by the yes to my of course not, it's Mr. James Turner. Hello, Simon. <laughs> <laughs> James, uh, are you familiar with the James Bond codename theory? Uh, I am familiar with the uh, the codename theory, and I'm sure there'll be lots to discuss on today's podcast. Yes, uh, but first, James, we have a question. Uh, we put out a post on Instagram asking for questions, and we've had a question from Mr. Calvin Dyson. Okay. Uh, he has a YouTube channel that I'm a subscriber to. I have been for several years, so I know he knows his stuff. And he asks... Do you think the Bond series is doing enough to ensure it keeps recruiting young, new fans, given the lack of video games and merchandise aimed at younger people recently? It's a very good question. What would you say in response to that? I mean, that question talks about video games in it as being a key point of influencing Bond, uh, younger Bond fans. And in a way, that's right, but I also think it's not just the video games that are totally responsible for being targeted at a younger audience. And I think it's something that comes across in the films themselves as well as, which I don't think it does enough of. I think James Bond is a fantasy at heart, and that is what particularly young children attach themselves to. When I think of my favourite films when I was younger compared to now, I did tend to prefer... You Only Live Twice, to From Russia With Love, for instance. Yeah. And also, I mean, my my very first Bond film was Tomorrow Never Dies, and I remember vividly, after watching that at a birthday party, I think I described this in, in episode one, we ran about the house pretending to use all the gadgets that he had in the film, and that's not something kids can do with Daniel Craig films, because no, there aren't those, those that, gadgets. That is it. It's, it's about um, when you were a kid, you want to be James Bond. You want to do, have all the gadgets <clears> Bond has. You want to do all the scenes that Bond does. Yes. And if a child was to watch a Daniel Craig film now, there's not really anything that you'd go, oh yeah, I wish I was doing what James Bond was doing. I think there's more out there in other franchises for children. And maybe if when I was 10 or 11 and... Um, you know, Iron Man and the Marvel movies had been around at that time, I might not have latched onto no. Bond. And um, I think they're more likely to get involved with that sort of thing than James Bond at this point, given the current style of film that's being made. But I think it's important to say that I don't think James Bond should be purely aimed at kids anyway. No. But I think to be able to have that wide appeal, I think you have to have more fantasy elements that the previous films had. Yeah, and that, I think, leads nicely into a discussion that I'd like to have as to the potential directions of the franchise post-Daniel Craig. Hmm. James, what would you like to see happen next? Ideally, I'd love to go back to a, a Brosnan-style series, and I think that fantasy elements need to return, that humour has to return. I mean, we were discussing the previous podcast about going into Q's lab and seeing these gadgets, and we don't really get that fun element. When I was a kid, seeing the Q scenes was part of the highlight of the, the film, and now we've been introduced to a new Q. Yeah, I mean, I think... Ben Whishaw was one of the highlights of Spectre, to yeah, be fair. Yeah. But 
I know what you mean. You don't have that same whimsy of what's queue up to in the background of yeah. those shots, and I do miss that. In terms of going forward, I'd like to see a return to that side of the series. Now, there is a reason that I'm asking you this. Uh, it will link back to the title of the episode, so if you've tuned in to hear what we have to say on that, then then don't worry, we are going to answer it. But the way I see it, the options post-Daniel Craig, there's a couple of different possibilities that they could do. Because, as we know, the series rebooted with Casino Royale. Yep. So, from now on, when you hear us talk about the classic era versus the Craig era, that's how we define Dr. No through Die Another Day as the classic era, and Daniel Craig era is from Casino Royale onwards. They're not my terms that I invented. I think they're widely used in internet forums, so I'll continue that. So at this point in the franchise, those two continuities are still intact and distinct and separate. Mm -hmm. There's nothing in the films yet that has broken that. So the first possibility is that they will continue with the Daniel Craig continuity with a new actor as James Bond. Yes. In much the same way in the classic era they did, and they just replaced the actor and carried on. Mm -hmm. Now, is that what you'd like to see? You'd like them to just carry on with with all the same supporting characters? Um, I'd probably like to ignore anything that happened in the Daniel Craig series and just keep going as if nothing had ever happened and it just continues on as it used to. This is possibility number two then, which is that they would return to the classic continuity with a new actor. Yes, and which is my hope for the series. Which would suggest that they will, in Bond 25, they will wrap up Daniel Craig's five-film arc as its own complete story that's a separate entity from the rest. And you hope then that they would go back to a continuity that would follow on from Pierce Brosnan's yeah, last and, film. Yeah, and, and just keeps each film a standalone film, um, right. much like much of the franchise has been. I, I wouldn't mind them doing that, but I would have reservations. I'd be a little bit anxious about the way that they've changed things about lately in recent films and rewritten backstories and rewritten into character relationships. I wouldn't like them to do that with our existing continuity. Mm-hmm. I almost feel like Bond films 1 to 20 are safe from interference now yeah. because they've been closed off and moved to one side. Mm. So anything they do in Daniel Craig's films can't touch that and yeah. rewrite it. I mean unless I mean the worst thing they could do in Bond 25, the absolute worst thing they could do for me is to confirm and therefore contradict what we already know but confirm that Daniel Craig's films take place in the same continuity and universe as the previous ones. Yeah. And then to establish some kind of, oh, it's always been a code name theory. <laughs> that is the absolute worst thing they could do. The other possibility they could do with the series after Daniel Craig is that they could reboot it again. Yeah. Which I am almost more in favour of now. I would kind of like them to treat Daniel Craig's five films almost like the Dark Knight movies, you know? They have an arc and they finish. Yeah. And then they reboot again with the Ben Affleck series after that, and that stands separately from Christian Bale's. And I'd like a similar situation here, I think. Yeah. But in order to do that, they have to replace all the supporting characters as well. Well, you've got to consider the fact every time there's been a new Bond actor, it has been sort of a reboot anyway, but continues the same continuity. 
Um, well, it's not a reboot then, by definition. No, no, but in terms of the uh, style of the film... Reboot just specifically refers to continuity. Yes, yeah, yeah. I don't mean it as a strict reboot. I mean uh, a rejuvenation. Maybe a reimagining yeah. in style and in performance and, and such. But they are all essentially playing the same character. Yeah. So then there is a possible fourth option is that they could introduce a codename theory into Daniel Craig's last film or into the very next film, which is to say Daniel Craig finishes his film and then... The next actor comes in. The, the next actor comes in and they give him the name Daniel uh, Daniel Craig, <laughs> James Bond, and say, you are now James Bond. There are people, I know there were people at the time Casino Royale came out that hadn't quite grasped the idea of a reboot and said, why is this set in present day if it's set before Doctor No? But I don't think many people still believe that. The one thing they didn't help themselves with is that they kept Judy Dench in, but we'll get to that. What I'd like to do now is to present what I consider to be the evidence for and against the codename theory. Okay. And I'd like you to see how we can respond to each of these points. Okay. Particularly the, the evidence for. Um, Fire away. So these are the arguments you might hear by people who are trying to make the case for James Bond is a codename. Most obvious one, first and foremost, is that the actor changes. Yes. So his appearance changes from yeah, actor to actor. Absolutely. And similarly, the events span 50 plus years without consistent ageing of the character. Mm-hmm. There are references to particular years, e.g. 64, the bullion job in On a Majesty's Secret Service that refers to Goldfinger. Yeah, Tracy's grave has the date on it. Um, there's references to the Millennium Bug and the Millennium Dome later on. Yeah. There are occasionally very specific things in the films, as Margaret Thatcher appears in one of them, that pin it down to a particular year in time. Yeah. That makes you think, well, of course it, it spans 50 years, because they mention 1960 in this one, mm-hmm. and they mention the Millennium in this one. And yeah. and that's kind of hard to argue with. And, and in all honesty, that is one of my pet peeves of the series is any specific direct reference to date and time beyond kind of, you know, the technology that's being used and the number plates of of cars and things like that. There's one line in particular that people like to quote. Yeah, and this is the big one that uh, people use a lot for the evidence of this. This never happened to the other fella. This never happened to the other fella. This never happened to the other fella, which is what George Lazenby utters in his first scene as James Bond. But obviously as the first different actor to play him in the official series. Mm. Now, we know the reason why that was done was because, unlike now where the changing of the actor is almost something we take for granted, this was the first time they changed the actor. And they thought, if we don't address this in any way... The audience aren't going to be able to settle into this film at all. They're going to be wondering if we're ever going to mention it. So they almost felt obligated to do a a kind of off-the-cuff dismissal to make a joke of it in the early scenes. Yeah, and it's just a breaking of the fourth wall. It's not him saying that to himself. No. If I could fix that film, I would take it out because (laughs) it gives them an irritating little nugget of, (laughs) of evidence. But it's widely considered to be like you say a fourth wall break to the audience Mm. almost actor to audience rather than character 
yeah. to audience. It's more yeah, like yeah. George Lazer be talking about Sean Connery than it is talking about one James Bond to another. Yes. And in fact, there is more than one piece of evidence in that very same film that seems to confirm that it is the same character. And the only other real piece of evidence I could think that backs up an argument for not just James Bond being a codename, but the continuity being the same, is the fact that Judi Dench reprised her role as M yeah. in the Daniel Craig films. So you can see that as being the same character all the way through, and if that's the case, it must be a new James Bond, because Daniel Craig is given... That's his first mission, supposedly, in Casino Royale. Mm -hmm. However, as you'll find out when we later discuss the evidence against it, none of these so far really hold any water. It is true to some extent that either side of the argument cherry-picks the bits of evidence to suit their argument, and we ignore those bits. Yeah. So you either ignore one or two things, or you ignore a hell of a lot of stuff. Yeah. And that's how I see it. In order to disprove the codename theory, you only really have to say, oh, you just ignore that George Lazenby line. Yeah. But in order to prove the codename theory, you have to ignore a lot more. Yes, yeah, absolutely. And I'd um, like to read you a few of those things okay, if I okay. may. Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Evidence against the codename theory. Uh. On a Majesty's Secret Service is the first evidence I think we really get because it's the first time we need any evidence against it, because up until that point, it's always been the same mm. actor. So, on a Majesty's Secret Service, first time we have a new actor in the role, first time the idea of a codename theory presumably ever comes up. Mm -hmm. But he has gadgets from previous films. He has Honey's diving belt. He has his rebreather from Thunderball. Now, either they got gifted to him in his desk drawer for some reason. You could see that feasibly he, he too might have a rebreather, but he certainly wouldn't end up with Honey's belt mm. or the watch that he probably took from Grant's dead body in From Russia With Love. <laughs> Point number one. Okay, but I'm going to be a uh, codename. You're going to play devil's advocate? Yes, yeah, so I'm going to be the uh, person who believes it's a codename. Okay, um, argue that. So I'm going to say that's all well and good, but how come Blofeld doesn't recognise Bond even though they'd previously met before? True. Now, the thing is, there's always a behind-the-scenes explanation for all these yes. things. And what it is is people attempting to explain continuity errors and things like that. Yeah. And the real reason behind why don't Blofeld and Bond recognise each other necessarily is because they decided to do a very faithful version of the novel. The novel of Honor Majesty's Secret Service comes before You Only Live Twice. Mm-hmm. And it was maybe their mistake in that respect to just to kind of let's adapt the novel and not take the films into consideration to that degree. But that is the real reason. Yeah, uh, I think that's due to the fact that this is the first time that they've recast Bond and yes. they didn't know what they were doing in terms of how they'd go further with the series. That's the thing. And nobody knew how long the series would last. Mm. No one in their wildest dreams could have imagined that a series would last over 50 years. Hey. No series had yeah. ever lasted that long. I mean, if you want a kind of an internal logic to that, Sean Connery was supposedly in Japanese makeup when he met Blofeld. <laughs> That's true. Even so though I'm pretty way. sure it disappears <laughs> halfway through. But in theory, he was meant to be. So that, to me, is, is a pretty weak lifeline to hang on to if that's your only argument against it. Yeah. The other thing that perhaps could be evidence against the codename is in Honor Majesty's Secret Service again, 
James Bond is removed from Operation Bedlam after two years of trying to hunt down Blofeld. Yes. Now, two years is coincidentally the gap between On Her Majesty's Secret Service and You Only Live Twice, the film that preceded it, with Sean Connery. Mm -hmm. So we can only assume that Bond has been pursuing Blofeld since then. Yeah. What happens after James Bond thinks he's resigned and he answers the phone? Money Penny puts him on two weeks' leave. He answers the phone... He's about to say 007. He stops himself and he says James Bond here. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he was about to use his code name, his number, yeah, yeah, 007. Yeah. Then he realised, no, I'm resigned. Yeah, I'm going to use okay, my name. Yeah. That suggests to me that it's a real name. Yep. So I think we can say with relative confidence that George Lazenby is the same James Bond as Sean Connery. Yes. Whatever you may think happens later, mm. I think that's fair to say at this point. Yeah. Would you agree? Absolutely, yeah. Particularly since Sean Connery came back in Diamonds Are Forever, and he again seems to be looking to avenge Tracy's death. Yeah. Straight off the bat, in the first scene of Diamonds Are Forever, he is hunting down Blofeld. Mm -hmm. And that is widely considered to be in revenge for his wife's death. Yes. So that again adds weight to George Lazenby is the same as Sean Connery. Tick. Yep. That's it one part of it we can agree on. Both The Spy Who Loved Me and Fiora's Only contain references to Bond's marriage. The Spy Who Loved Me, Anya Amasova, refers to the fact that he was married and his wife was killed. Mm-hmm. Roger Moore's Bond says, all right, you've you proved your, your point. point yeah. You know, if you really wanted to, you could argue that that's a coincidence, but I disagree particularly since in Fewer Eyes Only, the film starts with Roger Moore's Bond visiting Teresa Bond's gravestone and laying flowers at it. Mm-hmm. Not only that, Fewer Eyes Only also contains a scene in which Bond appears to get his revenge against Blofeld. Yeah. In fact, if you watch On Her Majesty's Secret Service and then Fewer Eyes Only, it almost feels like a direct sequel. Yeah. Yeah. Because you see Blofeld appear in a neck brace and in a wheelchair in the state that he was in at the end of On Her Majesty's Secret Service. Yeah. It's almost yeah. like Diamonds Are Forever didn't happen in a way. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's almost like the producer says, well, you know, let's do something in the spirit of that previous film. But the character continuity is still intact and it makes deliberate references to the character's name. And I think it's very difficult to argue that's not the case now with Roger Moore. Mm-hmm. The gravestone alone proves in my head oh, yeah. there's no way that's not the same character yeah so can we now agree that roger moore is the same james bond as sean connery and george lazenby yeah of course i cannot see with that evidence you've just supplied us and i know you're trying to <laughs> <laughs> uh there's any other way around it so then we move on to timothy dalton and again you start thinking well is it a code name then because he's changed and you think well In Licence to Kill, again, we have a reference to James Bond's marriage, courtesy of of Felix Leiter, who coincidentally is the same Felix Leiter from Live and Let Die. Yep. And I know Felix Leiter is a whole basket of problems in and of itself because of the changing actor, but the very point that they decided to make it the same one as a point of familiarity to make what happens to him more impactful. And it's clearly a relationship that they have had for years as close friends not just as you're the new guy with that code name you know yeah james bond is best man at his wedding 
after all the years they spent together. Now, you're not telling me that he was secretly best friends with someone else <laughs> who then was given the code name of James Bond. Yeah. yeah. I'm not buying that. Then the, the code name theorist will come in now and go, well, Felix Leiter could be a code name. I will end you. <laughs> um, well, it's not. No. Do you know why I know that? Go on. Because if it's a code name, who gave him the code name? The CIA? Who does he work for in Licence to Kill? The DEA? He does not work for the CIA in Licence to Kill. He's changed jobs. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. He wouldn't have the same code name. That's true. In point of fact, do you know who James Bond works for in Licence to Kill? Nobody. Nobody. Yeah, he works for himself. <laughs> If he had a code name, and if he had yeah, a real yeah. name as well... He'd go back to that and He go would presumably right, forget, go back to his real James name. this James Bond rubbish. I'm going back to John but, Smith. So, with that in mind, and with the reference to Bond's marriage, but it was a long time ago, can we agree that Timothy Dalton is the same Bond as George Lazenby? Agreed. And therefore the same James Bond as Sean Connery and Roger Moore? Yes. Right. Evidence is stacking up. <laughs> then... It leads on to Pierce Brosnan. Yes. James Bond is a commander in the Royal Navy before ever working for MI6. Mm -hmm. He is Commander James Bond. Yep. He's a commander in all of the actors' films. Yep. At least we haven't seen that in Daniel Craig's yet, I don't think. But that is a separate continuity, so yep. it actually needn't be if that's the case. Mm -hmm. But certainly he's a commander in, in Sean Connery's. He's a commander in Roger Moore's. M refers to him as Commander after he quits and runs away in License to Kill. He says, God help you, Commander. Yep. And he's a Commander in Pierce Brosnan's, as we see him in he Tomorrow is. Never Dies, yep. as well as references elsewhere. Also in Brosnan's Bond films, I think the most conclusive piece of evidence comes in The World Is Not Enough. Yep. Bond states that The World Is Not Enough is his family motto. Yes. Now, we know that's his family motto from... On Her Majesty's Secret Service. Where he goes to meet Sir Hilary Bray. Yes, and they dig out his... At the College of Arms, yeah. and he it's gets shown the, uh, the arms of Sir Thomas Bond. Mm -hmm. So it's a family name. Yeah. It cannot be George Lazenby's family motto and Pierce Brosnan's family motto if they're not the same James Bond. Yeah. That pretty much confirms, I think, that Pierce Brosnan is the same James Bond as George Lazenby. Yeah. And we already know that George Lazenby is the same James Bond as Sean Connery, Roger Moore, and Timothy Dalton. Mm-hmm. Yep. So what can we conclude from that, James? That they are all James Bond. From Doctor No to Die Another Day, they are the same character. Yes. That still means that codename theorists may still try to argue that it's a code name now. Yes. Um, or that it became a code name and Daniel Craig's is the same timeline, but a new James Bond. Yeah, uh, and that kind of stems from the casting of Judy Dench's M. Now, I know the real reason, the behind-the-scenes reason for that. Martin Campbell explains it in the commentary, I think, or the documentary for Casino Royale. And it comes down to something as simple as... They thought they'd be foolish to get rid of Judy Dench. Yeah. That said, I kind of wish they did. Yeah, yeah. Because it would have made it a little bit more clean and separate yeah, if yeah. they'd done yeah. that. But what we can surmise is that we know that Casino Royale is a reboot. Yeah. They told us that 
before the film was out. They told mm. us they were rebooting it. Yeah, yeah. They told us in the film, this is his first mission, he gets promoted to 007. Yes. He earns his license to kill. Mm-hmm. Which means we see him in Casino Royale before he earns his promotion. Yeah. What is his name before he earns his promotion? James Bond. James Bond. Mm. He's always been called James Bond. There are a handful of other references throughout, but the key ones are in Skyfall in particular. Skyfall is James Bond's family home. Yes. In Scotland. Mm -hmm. When he arrives there, he is recognised immediately by Kincaid. Yep. Who addresses him as James Bond. Mm -hmm. He hasn't seen him since he was a child. Yep. He doesn't even know what Bond does. He thinks M is called Emma in that film. <laughs> Not only that, but we get absolute inarguable proof because James Bond sees his parents' graves at the house. Yeah. At the chapel. Yeah. Andrew and Monique. Yeah, so they share the same background history as Piers Bosnan's Bond did. They are Bond's parents in the book. Yep. So Skyfall confirms that. It confirms that James Bond is his birth name. And Spectre shows adoption papers with his real name on. Yep. And even the fact that James Bond's youth is alluded to, again, the death of his parents, and Bond's childhood familiarity with Oberhauser, later known as Blofeld. Yes. And the fact that he knows his name from before he was an agent, and since we know that Casino Royale is a reboot, for me confirms that Daniel Craig's James Bond has always been known. James Bond. Is James Bond, mm-hmm. and it is not a code name. Yep. So, what we've established so far is that Doctor No through Dying of the Day, all the same character, James Bond. Yes. Casino Royale through to Spectre, different continuity, real name James Bond. Yes. Are there any facts that you dispute so far? No. I, like I say, it's George Lazenby's line. Anonymous Secret Service and the time issue of Never Asian over the prime continuity. Yes. From Doctor No to Die of the Day. But I think that is something that you, it's one of those things you overlook. It's true. I think what it comes down to, in conclusion, James Bond is not a code name. Yeah. Conclusively, the evidence falls overwhelmingly in favour of that argument that it's not yeah. a code name. The only justification needed for any inconsistencies in my mind is that Bond exists in a floating timeline mm-hmm. to allow the films to continue and remain contemporary. Yeah. Now, the reason for this, again, the behind-the-scenes reason, which is always the first thing I look to before trying to justify it by fan theory, is to see, well, what's the real reason they did this? Yeah. The real reason they did this is because, like I said earlier, no one in their right mind would have ever expected a series to last 50-odd years. Mm-hmm. And what are you going to do? Are you going to slowly make them a period piece? And like, You can't keep Bond the same age and make a film series last 50 years without ending it up, setting it in the past. Yeah. And they don't want to do that. They want Bond to exist in the present at all times. Yeah. And so the way I kind of imagine it is that with every subsequent Bond film that takes place, I mean, say for instance, like Die Another Day was the last James Bond. Mm-hmm. You could argue that that one takes place in 2002. And then you bunch up all the previous films so that they make kind of chronological sense leading up to that. So you say, oh, okay, well, maybe... Doctor No was 20 years earlier than that. Yeah. 
and he had a long career, mm-hmm. you know, because yeah. that's not far off the age difference between yeah. them at that point. You know, late 40s and early 30s it was. So you just kind of drag the past up and you bunch them up. And you say, well, the gap between films is not actually the gap between events. Yeah. Yeah. That happens all the time. Yeah. Films aren't always set in the year they were made. Yeah. I mean, Quantum of Solace takes place straight after Casino Royale, for example. Yes. Immediately after. So I always imagine it as like each subsequent film that's released kind of drags the past along with it. Yeah kind of like tim allen's ship in galaxy quest it's dragging mines except the bond series is dragging the past instead i mean here's a theory are you gonna gloss over my galaxy quest analogy no i'm just i'm (laughs) adding to it you didn't even react i made a weird galaxy i've never seen galaxy quest oh (laughs) there's a bit in the film where he's facing off against some alien ship and he's like you fail to realize that with your armor gone my ship will tear through yours like tissue paper. And what you fail to realize is my ship is dragging mines. No, turn, turn! That's what I imagine happening with the Bond yeah. series. Yeah, yeah. With every film that comes out, it kind of pulls the past God, along you had, with you it. You had to squeeze that reference in there. That's a tough reference to squeeze in. Yeah, there'll be people who understood it, yeah. and they are the special ones. <laughs> but you, um, haven't, you haven't seen Galaxy Quest? No. I have no intention to either. What? Oh. Anyway. <laughs> um, well, so that explains the floating timeline from 62 to 2002, is that I kind of dismiss... Uh, the gaps, the years, yeah. and any specific reference. I mean, you could, in theory, mix the years up a bit. The real thing you have to concede as a Bond fan is that essentially the timeline is kind of broken. Yes. Of the first 40 years, at least, in as much as it lasted way longer than you can reasonably expect them to maintain continuity for. Well, continuity wasn't a big thing when they were making these films. No, it has been. And I think that's a really vital thing that you need to consider. An interesting theory, actually, going back to to Calvin, who asked the question at the beginning, I recently saw a video of his where he he makes an interesting point, and he seems to really shrug off this notion of continuity. It doesn't seem to bother him that much. And I almost wish he could teach me how to not let it bother me. Um, (laughs) Because he basically says, I kind of give each film a mulligan, he refers to it. In in, in golfing terms, it's kind of a, a free redo yeah it's kind of gives each one a a bit of a free pass to be its own thing yeah and it's certainly the way i look at it as well well it's very easy to do that up until the point where they start making them more direct sequels daniel craig era and things like that certainly for the first sort of 20 films they didn't really make too many references to previous events and when they did it was more seen as a kind of easter egg than a pivotal plot point Mm mm-hmm in that case, how do you consolidate the continuity issues in your mind if it's not a code name? Yeah. The lack of aging over a 40-year period, the changing of appearance and things like that. And I kind of just attribute it to being slightly broken, but slightly above the reality of time. Mm-hmm. If you really want to explain the difference in aging of the actors, you can do so by, like you say, kind of picturing them as almost cherry-picked missions 
viewed out of sequence if you really want to. Mm. Let's say, for instance, that you dismiss any reference to specific years in a film. So if it ever refers to 1999 or 1960 or whatever, you ignore them and you go, well, you know what? I'm going to view it as if the films where he's older are just later missions in his career. Yeah. Yeah. I always like that argument to defend Roger Moore's later films. <laughs> because, quite frankly, an argument against A View to a Kill based purely on the fact that Roger Moore is old is a bit insulting. People, Ageist. Exactly. I mean, I might be a little bit kind of 21st century and woke about this, but people are allowed to age. Yeah. Unfortunately, Bond girls, <laughs> not so much until more recently. But... The idea that Bond should be 35 perpetually is ludicrous. And a secret agent could easily have a career that spanned 20 or 30 years. Mm, Absolutely. And so I always kind of, just loosely, not with any kind of firm committal to this theory, but if, if I ever need to justify why Roger Moore is maybe old in his later films, I kind of just put it down to, well, it's just some of his later missions. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Almost as if James Bond is a real person and these are depictions of events from his life. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. And so it doesn't matter if you change the actor because they're playing the same real person. Yes. I have one more kind of point that I'd like to raise with you. If we can conclude then that James Bond is definitely not a code name in either of the continuities, could the code name theory be introduced going forward? Yeah, well, that's the thing. I think that's the worrying part of the theory is that they confirm that the next Bond is going to be given the code name James Bond. Yeah, if in the next film or the one after that, they introduce a code name within the films themselves, yeah, then neither you or I can argue with that. No. James Bond will have become a code name. Yes. But we have just proved, I'd like to think, that up until this point, it definitely yes. isn't. Mm-hmm. Yes. There are a couple of ways I can imagine where they could potentially introduce a code name approach. If you imagine a plot point where James Bond gets killed, for instance, mm. but for the greater good, for the success of this mission, in a you only live twice kind of way of maybe a reverse of the you only live twice idea. If now Bond is dead, the enemies will lay low. If they can engineer a way in which it's pivotal that they think he's still alive. Yeah, yeah. You must pose as him. Yeah. And then maybe at the end he'd come back and go, you know, you're James Bond now. You're no longer whoever it is. Mm. And you get a little bit into born identity sort of territory there. And you could go forward and and you have, in some way, you've introduced James Bond as a codename by doing that. I personally think that when that happens the James Bond series has kind of ended yes and what you've done is you've created a spin-off in Mm -hmm. a way yeah yeah James Bond ends when you kill off the character of James Bond whether you continue the series or not Mm -hmm. in a way yeah I wouldn't put it past them in this day and age to consider moving Bond to Netflix or Mm. doing spin-off TV series and parallel series to that. And a 00 section series would be pretty interesting. Elevate other characters to the level of James Bond, but leave James Bond as he is, please. For the love of God, please. In summary, is James Bond a codename? No. No, it's not. Could it be? Maybe. They could do it. 
Should it be? No. No. Let's play games with James. Yay. (laughs) Oh, you ready for a bit of a bit of levity after that discussion? Yeah, that's kind of a hard hitting, deep conversation. I had a lot. You've been having. I had a lot to say on the subject and hopefully I don't ever need to say it again. We'll see. (laughs) Today's Games with James is a little bit different in as much as you know what it is, don't you? Yes, I do. (laughs) James, you are familiar with the TV game show panel show Room 101. I am indeed. So the idea is very similar to the TV show. I'm going to ask you for some examples of some things in the Bond series that you want to send to Room 101. Okay. You want to banish or particular moments that you think don't deserve to be in the film. Yeah. And you're going to have to make the case for them, and I'm going to decide whether to banish them or not. Okay. Okay. So hit me with your first okay. one. So I want to try and go for ones that are a bit obscure rather than the most obvious ones that you could pick out from the series. And um, Okay. So the first one I'm going to pick out is Roger Moore's Grunts. That's Roger Moore's Grunts. Roger Moore's Grunts. Yes. This is particularly noticeable in A View to a Kill. Yeah. (laughs) Do you know what I'm talking about? I do. Can you give me an impression of one of Roger Moore's Grunts? So, basically, his Grunts use the same sound whenever Roger Moore has to do some sort of Grunt. And that Grunt sounds like this. Oh! (laughs) It's not the same recording, though, is it? I think it is. You and I have both made films ourselves, yeah. and I've had to dub my own characters before mm-hmm. and do pained expressions, and nine times out of ten, they sound very similar. They're like, ah, that's my pained sound. Yeah. So maybe Roger Moore's is, oh! <laughs> maybe, but God damn it, I swear it's the same <clears throat> one every time you hear it. Tell you what, I'm going to find a clip of it. Yeah. you know what having listened to it i'm not convinced it's not the same recording every time yeah and i might be a bit harsh of putting it in room 101 because there is a bit of a charm when i watch a view to a kill it brings a smile to my face but they could have used an alternate grunt well i hear what you're saying james i know that it is a bit goofy and it's not the sound that you can never imagine any of the other James Bonds making. But for that reason, it is so distinctly Roger Moore that I can't possibly send it to Room 101. That's fine. It makes me smile just thinking of it. <laughs> and I can't... I can't. I'm sorry, James. Okay. What's your next one? My next one. You're not going to like this. Go on. So this is on Her Majesty's Secret Service. With the and whole film? No, 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 no. Don't. <laughs> I'm just saying with the film that it's from. Okay. Um, this is the thing that really, really winds me up about this film. And that is James Bond impersonating Sir Hilary Bray. And when I say impersonating, I mean having exactly the same voice as Sir Hilary Bray. You mean having been dubbed by George Baker, the actor? Absolutely. Even to the point where he says a line when he first meets Sir Hilary Bray and it's George Baker saying it to George Baker. Yes, I know the line. What's the line? Where do I go for this meeting? Oh, they're being a bit canny about that. They want me to send a description of myself. Tactfully adjusted to favour me. Yes. 
And then he does that voice for the rest of the time he's pretending to be Hilary Bray. Which it makes no sense at all, is it? Because they've heard him on the phone before, but people sound different on the phone anyway. Now, in defence of that, you can see why they'd think it was a clever idea to show how good Bond is at his disguise. And like you say, if they were familiar with him at all, then that only cements his disguise further. And it, it's done convincingly enough, technically, that it doesn't rip me out of the film. It rips me out of the film when he switches. For example, when he goes to his hotel room. Hello, you old devil. Quite undeniably, yes. I admit that it's slightly jarring when he switches, particularly when he impersonates George Baker to his face. Yes, and that's the bit I really, really hate. And I see the look on George Baker's face, and I think his face is what I'm feeling uh, at the time as well. <laughs> I'm watching it. Like. But in the defence of that, I see why they did it from a character building and from a intrigue building perspective. It's not done so badly that I find the film unwatchable. I still love the film, and that doesn't stop me loving it. That said, for the reasons you've said, coupled with what is the real kicker for me, is that we only got one George Lazenby film. Yeah. And he doesn't get to use his voice the whole way through that. And for that reason, despite loving the film, I am going to send George Lazenby's dubbed voice to Room 101. Bye, George Lazenby's dubbed voice. That was it, burning in hell, apparently. <laughs> Uh, have you got another one? Okay, so another obscure one. Okay. Um, how angry MI6 are in The Man With The Golden Gun. <laughs> every time I watch that film, everybody is angry at each other. Now, the the scene that springs to mind is the bit where they're on the uh, half-sunken ship and they're having a meeting and it's like, shut up, Q, and Bond's getting told off. Scaramanga got away. Yes, sir. The car, the sprouted wings. Oh, that's perfectly feasible, sir. As a matter of fact, we're working on one now. Oh, Q, shut up. Well, communications aren't picking up the signal from the homer she has supplied by Q. Rubbish. They're simply not stepping up the reception sufficiently to enable... Oh, shut up, Q. But it's not just that scene. It's Moneypenny's angry at Bond. Yep. Um... Because they couldn't find the bullet. Because they couldn't find the bullet. <laughs> it's like their anger... Makes me feel sad Yeah, when I watch that film. You want to watch a film that will make you happy about how M treats Bond. Yeah. You want to know what film you should watch? Moonraker. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right, yeah. He has that little shared secret of like, oh, you are onto something, you better take two yeah. weeks leave, go to Rio, um, nod, nod, wink, wink. There's no reason for M to be so grumpy and annoyed. I mean, it goes further than that. M at one point, in that film says I almost wish that Scaramanga had a contract on you what the hell yeah honestly <laughs> he's furious in that film do you think they were angry because they were in a crap film <laughs> yeah I, I can only presume that tensions were high tensions were producers. high between Cubby and, and Harry uh, yeah maybe maybe writing angry characters feels like you're doing more drama in your screenwriting mm -hmm. you know yeah I don't need to go on it's going into room 101 yeah. James it's it's one of the many many things wrong with that film mm -hmm. and it deserves to be gone yes get out, out. goes have you got another one okay this is a, a bit of a Weird one. Go on. <laughs> okay. 
<laughs> like the look on your face already. Okay, because uh, so we've mentioned the man with the golden gun there, which is one of the worst Bond films in my opinion. Yeah. Um, as is Down of the Day. So that's the one I'm Whoa. picking from this time. The grace with which that director... <laughs> Sorry, that's a previous episode. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so there's many things wrong with Down of the Day. Agreed. So I'm going to pick one of the more obscure ones. Go on. And that is the sex scene between Jinx and Bond. I mean, I I visibly made a face then as you said it. Yes. Didn't I? I didn't even know I'd done it. But... <laughs> Um, there's something really, really uncomfortable when you see that scene. The, the, I don't know how to describe it. Try. Um, it's sweaty. Yep. I, I feel it's too graphic to be shown in a Bond film. It does feel like they made a conscious decision to push the envelope further. I mean, if you were in Cuba, you probably would be sweaty. But I know what you mean. It seems out of character for a Bond film to be that explicit in its love scenes, Mm. it's just not done with any sense of class or grace, despite what the review said. Yeah. It feels dirty dirty and sweaty, and it sounds like I'm describing a really gritty piece of cinema, but that is not what Die Another Day is. Yeah, it doesn't match the tone of what the film is. I kind of understand what they were going for, in the sense that Bond has not long since been freed from captivity in Korea. Mm-hmm. He's travelled to Cuba, he's got himself uh, freshened up and shaven, and he's wearing nice clothes and drinking nice things for the first time in a long time. He's enjoying himself, and I guess the very next thing he wants to do is probably sleep with someone. Yeah, yeah. But a sexually deprived, frustrated James Bond is not something I've ever been interested in seeing depicted. Yeah, so does that mean it's going to move more on? Yeah, it's already there. Okay, see ya. (laughs) Go. (laughs) Well, you're doing pretty well, James. You've got... uh, Three out of four so far. Yeah. Okay. Have you got a last one? Can I've we got make a last it five? One, but it is an obvious one. Okay. And that's going back to the man with the golden gun. Okay. And that is the whistle noise that we get when his car does a three sixty over the river. Yep. It's um, in there. <laughs> okay, need I say any more? Well, you can say some yeah. more if you want, but... Yeah, well, yeah. It's a great stunt ruined by a god-awful sound It effect. is truly a brilliant piece of driving mm-hmm. ruined. Yes. By a single, solitary, silly sound effect. Mm-hmm. And for that reason, it's going to Room 101. Well Good. done. Well done, James. Four out of five. Four out of five, that's good. I, I will not put Roger Moore's grunts in room 101. <laughs> I almost wonder if we need a Hall of Fame to counteract your room 101. <laughs> I will put Roger Moore's grunts in the Hall of Fame as the first <laughs> entry. <laughs> well, that just about wraps things up for this episode. Uh, let us know what you think of the James Bond codename theory that we've since debunked. Um, and let us know if you have anything that you'd like to add to Room 101 
uh, from the James Bond series. So until next time, you can find us on Facebook, on Twitter, and on Instagram at BondJamCast. And we are on YouTube. Just follow the link in the description and please do give us a subscribe. And we're on SoundCloud, soundcloud.com forward slash BondJam. And we are on Spotify if you search BondJamSimon and search the podcast section. Keep checking the other platforms. There's a chance that by the time you listen to this, we might be on them. Uh, So do stay tuned. Do share it with your friends. And do spread that jam. See you next time. Bye. Cheerio. Cheerio, Bye. (laughs) Cheerio. Bye. (laughs) 